There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. This episode of the Cult Popshire podcast was brought to you by our Patreon. If you want to tell us which films we should watch, get up to two extra exclusive podcasts a month, give us something to talk about in the post credit scene at the end of each episode, or join us for our monthly movie club Zoom call where we discuss a film together, then please consider joining the cult and donating at www.patreon.com slash cultpopshire. It's Halloween still. Uh. <laughs> it's not over yet. Uh, welcome to the Cold Popture Podcast, everybody. The the spookiest podcast around. Hmm. Probably not, actually. But for this month, it's it's trying to be. My name is AJ, <laughs> and I'm joined here with uh, Richard and Jess. How are you guys? And yep. girl. Hello. Hi, girl. Hello. I'm very good, thank Hello. you. I'm yeah, spook. That's good. What's oh, big day today? Jinx. What mm. is? Yeah, not when you're listening to this, but for us recording yeah. it. The results will be out by the time. Does that mean we're allowed to talk about the election because this is coming out after? Know. Yeah, technically. Um, oh, this is So this is the sequel, uh, because it's a sequel podcast kind of thing, um, yeah. to our Land Before Time episode. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> Yeah, because that was the, the far out. We've been doing this podcast for over one election cycle. That's yeah. pretty cool. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's, we're we're recording this the day of the New Zealand um, election, uh, which um, you, there's a is, it, is this this isn't an international law, but it's an in a national law that you, you're not allowed to yeah. influence someone. Yeah, you're not allowed opinion. to say anything publicly essentially that could influence someone's vote so all the like campaign signs have to get taken down before midnight last night and mm. yeah you can't tweet about it you can't post on which is kind of dumb because we have early voting here so yeah um, there's been like a, a two-week period where, of the population yeah, that, yeah, already it, voted. it feels very pointless yeah almost two million people have already voted have you guys uh, voted? And a population of five million aj have you voted yeah, I voted like two weeks ago. Very good. Richard, have you voted? Yes, I voted before you. I voted all before right, both of all you. All right, all right. I, I, went for, I went on a lunch break at work and just wandered into the mall and was like, oh, I'll vote. <laughs> and America's like having celebrities strip naked to explain what naked balloting is and how yeah. you have to use and being two like, envelopes to send in. Yeah, once you've waited the first 11 hours, the other 10 go right by, like just stay yeah. in line. <laughs> <laughs> and it's all just this complicated process, which is clearly designed so that um, – Minorities. People don't vote in America, uh, yeah. whereas in New Zealand, you can wander into a mall and vote by accident. You can literally <laughs> vote anywhere. I was in Wellington, so I was voting outside of my electorate. Yeah. You literally but, which means your in. vote won't be counted for two weeks. It's a special vote. Yeah. Special. Mine was a special vote because oh. I, all my addresses and stuff was wrong. Yeah. Are they still in Auckland? I don't know. They just said, what's your address? And I was like, what have you got written down? <laughs> how, did you, what, how did you know which MP to vote That's for if so you didn't funny. even know your electorate? Uh, they, no, they told me. Oh. 
But were you just um, like, oh yeah, I'll go for this one? Well, no, I know what my MP is because there's fucking billboards for okay. her everywhere. Okay. So I'm pretty aware. But um, um, I yeah, but like uh, yeah, in New Zealand, you don't even need like ID. You just rock no, up and they go, "What's your name?" and they go, yeah. this," and it's like, "Where do you live?" You? Here, and then they like go on the scroll down on the iPhone. And you're like, "Oh, is this you?" Yeah, click. Sweet, here you go. It's it's just Facebook. Is this you? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, cool. Well, hey, that's that's what we're excited about um, here in New Zealand, but we're also excited about Halloween, a holiday that New Zealand doesn't really celebrate. Yeah. Ooh, <laughs> Americanization. <laughs> this is how we celebrate it. It's by making Halloweeny content. Yeah, and, it, like um, it is very much like Halloween is like not really a thing. Halloween is like an an obligation in New Zealand. Uh, our by retailers to be like, oh, I guess we'll fucking hang up all these pumpkins yeah. and, and like fucking s- shit. Sometimes there'll be house parties, but no one ever really puts in any effort. Yeah. <laughs> there, there, you actually can't get the pumpkin here that you make jack-o'-lanterns out of. Mm. It doesn't grow here. We just so have you many, can't make it. many pumpkins. Yeah. 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 Our pumpkins are gross. Our pumpkins are grey in New Zealand. <laughs> they are grey yeah. and you cannot carve them. You know, I never anyway. thought about that, that they were grey. <laughs> I never considered the exterior color of the pumpkin. <laughs> they're a green. They're a greeny gray. Yeah, I think people gray. probably they're argue like, they're um, green. They're like eye. The you know you get eye color that's like that greeny gray, like mine. Mm, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I just leaned forward and knocked my microphone. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I was to, trying to, to show to put my your eyes. eye like above the camera so I couldn't see. It. <laughs> I was trying to look into it. I was just looking um, at the bags under your eyes. My God, you look tired. <laughs> So a few months ago, maybe a couple months ago, we did a podcast called uh, Short Films Versus Their Feature Film Adaptations, where we looked at a bunch of, uh, or three, I shouldn't say a bunch, we looked at three feature-length films that were based on short films that were made as sort of a proof of concept. Um, we looked at uh, a film called Cargo, a film called Yes, God, Yes, and a film called Whiplash, because they were all based on short films. And I thought this, not only was that a concept that could probably sustain an entire individual podcast on its own, um, it's also one we could repeat and, and with various themes, including the spooky theme, because so, probably more than any other genre, horror movies um, are a lot of the time based on like award-winning short films and things mm. like that. Yeah, dude. Yeah, yeah. dude. Um, so what we're going to do is we're going to go through these films. We, we released um, what the films would be ahead of time, so hopefully people have watched them um, if they don't want spoilers because while we're not necessarily reviewing these films, there will be talk of the ending because one trend I've noticed in the six short films and their feature length adaptations that we have watched so far is that the the template tends to be the short film is the start and the end of the film and the feature film is a whole lot of shit in the middle yeah yeah it's like what can we add to this dump yeah not not all the time and sometimes it works to its benefit and sometimes it ruins it um we have a pretty good slate this this time round of of different uh results from doing this mm. sort of thing so the films we watched were uh frankenweenie which is a 2012 short film 
uh, sorry, 2012 uh, feature film directed by Tim Burton, who also directed a uh, short film in 1984 of the same name, of which the feature film is based. We also watched a 2016 film called Lights Out, directed by David F. Sandberg, uh, who directed Shazam, and also directed Lights Out, a 2013 <laughs> Um, version of it. It says it's Swedish. Is David F. Hmm. Sandberg Swedish? David F. Sandberg. I've heard him talk. He's got an American accent. What really makes you Swedish if you don't have the accent? Uh, yeah, I mean, if you, if you type in David F. Sandberg into Google, it says Swedish filmmaker. Interesting. Uh, and we also watched The Babadook, which is a 2014 Australian film directed by Jennifer Kent, uh, based on her 2005 short film called Monster. Um, so what's interesting here is that last time we did this concept, the films were very close together. I think they were only maybe two to three years apart mm. from each other. Whereas this time we have two examples where there's been quite a big gap so the babadook there was a nine-year gap between the short and the feature and frank and weenie's what a 30 year (laughs) nearly 30 year gap 28 year gap between the um the short film and the feature um and so we'll go through each of these one at a time talk about what they're about and um and how the the process of adaptation you know what it looks like so i'd love to start with frank and weenie if that's okay with you uh, i'll allow it jess will you allow yeah. it just second it mm, uh yes motion passed okay we just don't let them so, start with it <laughs> <laughs> frank and weenie is probably one of the most interesting cases of this i think because not only is it 28 years in the making from the short film but the short film is a live action um, it's, I think it's about 20, 26 minutes, I think, and it's a live action thing starring Shelley Duval and Daniel Stern and the, um, the 2012 remake feature film remake is a 3d stop motion animated film so mm. this is also a case where the medium changed in between the short film yeah. and the feature film um but yeah what what is frank and weenie about does someone want to want to take on that responsibility um sure so it's an adaptation of Mary Shelley's Frankenstein, obviously. Um, and it's about a uh, boy who loses his dog. His dog dies. And he uh, Frankensteins it into <laughs> being alive again. And he Frankenstein monsters it. Uh, <laughs> my apologies. My sincerest apologies. He Frankenstein monsters it into being back alive again. And uh, chaos ensues. Basically the town like hunt hunt down the dog and then the dog end up saying, ends up saving the boy at the end and they're like oh never mind yeah. we like the dog yeah yeah so yeah though that's both the short film and the feature film the feature film just has a whole bunch of other stuff in it in between those two beats that just <laughs> outlined um whereas the short film is basically just those two beats yeah what did you guys think of both the short and the feature uh love them I fucking was obsessed with this. I It was one of those cases where Richard was like, oh, we have to watch these movies and we'll put it on. And I was like on my phone and then 10 minutes in, I was just so into it. Yeah. it's I'd never seen this before. My main no, exposure to Frank and Weenie was a guy I used to work with uh, who I did not like very much. I won't say his name, but... Um, and he talked about how he, like, he came into work one day. He's like, oh, I just bought Frank and Weenie. He's like, so I've seen... And he bought like um the art of Frank and Weenie book or whatever, and was like mm. going on about how Tim Burton's his favorite director and how he like had seen every Tim Burton film. And I said, um, my favorite Tim Burton film was probably Big Fish, and he'd never heard of it. 
<laughs> it's his best film. Um, it's, it's easily Tim Burton's best and, film. Yeah, but of course, you know, that made, um, that was like, you know, because he's so much better than me. That was why he hadn't seen it. And So I, I watched the short film and um, I was very swept up in it. I thought... Um, it's it's sort of one of those films where it's like God. Imagine being the art director on this film. It's like this black and white mm. live action thing with some very cheesy but cool um, scientific uh, machines, and the dog itself is like ha- is like dressed up to look like he's made from a bunch of different dog parts. Um, it's very exciting and very schlocky. Um, was this before Tim Burton was like Tim Burton? When when was um, Pee Wee's Big Adventure? Uh, Tim Burton filmography. I think because he, he was still like quite, this was uh, like my understanding was that it was like a um, uh, film school project or something like that. Yeah, yeah, you're right. So Pee Wee's Big Adventure was a year after this. So this yeah. is this is proto Bert. Oh, because um, Paul Rubin saw Frank and Weenie and right. chose him to direct it. There you go. Um, How so- did he get? Um, freaking Shelley Duvall. Yes. Yeah, yeah. What the actual fuck? Yeah, and, that's pretty good. And his uni film. Jesus. No, I don't know if it was a uni film. It just like it had that that kind of feel. As someone who works as a film tutor at a uni type place, uh, this would be the best uni film <laughs> I've ever seen. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> guarantee this wasn't made. <laughs> um, as but a film. it was like because it was made by Disney. Um, yeah. Although apparently, um, Burton was fired after the completed the film. The original. Wow. There you go. Um, so it was. It was. It's very fun, and looked like it would have been a hell of a lot of fun to make. And I was watching it. And I was like, "Oh, is the magic of the this the fact that this is live action is makes it so magical? Is the magic going to be lost in an animated version of this?" And then immediately after I watched it, I watched the animated version, and it's like, "Oh, I forgot." how fucking entrancing stop motion animation yeah, man. just you know inherently is um and i loved it i loved the feature film as well i thought that the the beats were improved the beats that were repeated were improved um i mean it's it's black and white the whole thing is black and white which mm. is so interesting for a kids movie it's it feels like such a risk um i and i was talking to my flatmate do you reckon that um they made the models and everything black and white. Yeah, I, I reckon everything would have been made in yeah. black and white. Yeah, yeah, um, that's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, there's there's moments in it that you like really notice the detail, like um the part where uh the fat kid is getting rocketed off the roof, and it's yeah. like they mm-hmm. shake up all these soda bottles and strap yeah. them to his back, and like the way that they animate the soda bottles to be fizzy yeah, yeah. is so cool. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I thought that the the stuff added in between the start and the end from the short film was excellent. So there's a great I'm sure you picked up on it, but I'm sure not everyone picked up on it. But the 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 whole thing is based around a science fair where everyone's competing for the best science project. And Victor Frankenstein, who's the the main character, um, he's kind of un, he's not really interested in it because he's brought his dog back to life. But what ends up happening is that all the kids try to bring back and bring an animal like a dead pet back to life when they hear that hear how Victor did it. Um, and what's great is that uh, they're each an analog for one of the classic monsters, right? So mm. 
if if Frankenweenie is obviously well, his name's Sparky. He's obviously that's obviously a Frankenstein allegory. But like, there's a girl who tries to bring back her a dead bat, and it fuses with her cat and creates a vampire cat. So that's Dracula. Um, there's a hamster, I think, that gets turned into a mummy. Um, and then the Asian kid uh turns his turtle into Godzilla. So even though well, it's not the more, same. it's closer to Gamera actually. Right, sure, actually, <laughs> which yeah. has nothing um, to do with Godzilla. <laughs> um but it's it was a cool answer to it because i was watching them and i was like okay so they've done the mummy they did wolfman with um i think a dog in it or no it was a rat a rat was wolfman Mm. um they do the creature from the black lagoon with sea monkeys Uh, i was gonna Um, ask what you thought that was whether you thought it was like a nod to gremlins maybe it's very gremlin-esque but surely it's creature from the black Lagoon. yeah the design of it but yeah Yeah. and it's also I mean, they're all kind of a mix of a few things as well. Yeah, yeah. Because it has, like, elements of the birds as well when they're mm. in the phone booth and they're all, like, trying yeah, to get true. on them. Yeah, um, and then And so I was like, well, what's left? And what is this guy going to do? And he makes a, a, a um, what are they called? Kaiju. <laughs> yeah, Kaiju. Um, and I was like, oh, of course, because he's the, the Japanese character. It's a great way to, yeah. you know, it's a, it's a stroke of genius yeah, to do it that Yeah, there's so way, many clever little bits in it. Like, there's a a part where Sparky's been brought back to life and he's sniffing around the fence and the neighbor's dog is there and it's this black poodle and they mm. sort of have a moment where they're like sniffing each other, not quite sure. And then she gets an electric shock from Sparky and it causes her to get the Frankenstein's bride like yeah, white yeah. streaks white streak, yeah. through um, the poodle's yeah. hair. It's so great. Yeah. Yeah. Which was also in the live action version, but a bit felt a lot more earned in the, yes. the feature film. And what was um, very eerie, I thought about the feature film, is that it's it's like theme. Its message is very much like commenting on how people don't believe in science anymore. Like there's a science teacher who gets fired because the, all the parents are worried about their 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 kids being so obsessed with science. And he stands up in front of them and he's like, "You're actually all stupid." <laughs> it's, yeah. like, it's like you're all ignorant. Did I say that right? No, you are stupid. And he talks about how how science is like. One, you know, the the best one of the best things that humans have managed to be able to to work out and study, and um, and he gets fired for it because everyone's afraid of it. Um, and then when he talks to Victor, he says, um, "You can use science for good, or you can use science for bad," which is essentially what ends up happening um, in the end of the film. Um, but yeah, and and you know, in an age where people are anti-vax and not wanting to wear their face masks during a pandemic, it felt strangely prescient to see a movie about a society rejecting, um, you know, these yeah. these scientific leaps forward yeah. um, so that, that was cool um and also he says yeah he says you can use science for good or science for bad and they end up um kind of saving the day through using science for good so they they kill the um sea monkeys through giving them popcorn because they're fresh water and the popcorn is salt yeah. and so it's you know it's things like that that end up saving the day um and then it has the same ending as the, yeah. the short film. Mm. But yeah, what, like, what do you guys think about the the differences, the comparisons? Well, the, the I just love how like um, it, uh, Tim Burton's style translates so well into um, into stop motion, and yeah, it's yeah. like if he was literally just like a stop motion director, like he'd probably be way more respected because this is kind mm. of like his last like successful or. I guess good film, if you will. Yeah, well um, received. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he did Big Eyes in 2014, which no one really saw, but was quite good. And then he did that Home for Peculiar Children and Dumbo, which have both not done too well. Um, mm. 
But yeah, the, like just the, the character designs are all so great. There's his his classmate, the one with the cat, um, mm. which just has these gigantic eyes and is like yeah, yeah. such a funnily designed character. And so is her um uh her cat. But she's also in the live action film that character is played by sophia coppola from the godfather oh really yeah. <laughs> that's funny there's a there's sort of a overweight female neighbor in the short film hmm. whose model was just <laughs> used for the, <laughs> the stop motion one which is funny um but i think this is um and we'll, we'll maybe move on to the next film after this but i think this is kind of the dream result of this process it's a a a short film that's really good and then a feature film which builds on um in a very organic way that doesn't feel like it's overstuffed which is maybe something we saw with cargo um, was that the the idea was ruined by putting more into it um and uh and this is ignoring the medium change and the year difference, you know, yeah. the, the the weight between them. Um, but I mean, maybe that's what it needs because clearly he thought about this story for nearly thirty years before remaking it. So yeah, yeah I think yeah. the medium change is really what makes it su- successful. Because I yeah. don't know about you guys, but um, I found Sparky so charming as a character, and something mm. that I felt the live action version didn't have is because tim burton's models of people in in his stop animation films like corpse bride and stuff i feel them like you know they're like a little bit stilted and not as they don't show as much emotion as the animal characters and Mm. so like you really you watch it for sparky he's the one that really like yeah and there's there's things like um just the the effects are done better because when you've got a real dog there's only so much you can do to make it Mm. look like it's an undead dog and there's a part where it like drinks and there's clearly like sprinkler attached to its collar Mm. and it spurts out whereas in the live in 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 the um the stop motion version they pull that off a lot better and Mm. he has like bits and pieces falling off him and stuff which you obviously wouldn't be able to do with the yeah there is also um i'm not sure like how it actually relates to it but on disney plus there's like a a short another short that's related to it um really called like yeah when you search frank and weenie um and like it's presumably just like an interstitial they put on um, how long is it on disney channel um let's have a look um because it's yeah captain sparky versus the flying saucers and it's two minutes long should we watch it oh that's the that's the short film they make and oh right yeah yeah no you're right yeah Uh, um, I did also watch Vincent, which is um, Tim Burton's first stop motion yeah. film, which is very fun. You should check that out if you haven't seen it. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Uh, Cool. Okay, so let's look at um, maybe a less successful uh, adaptation in Lights Out, which um, is kind of... uh, There's there's a video by... (laughs) There's a video by the YouTube channel Now You See It, um, which co- sort of brought attention to this very concept of adapting 
a short film for a feature film a few years back where he compared a sort of the main scene from a the very short short film it's about two two and a half minutes um and how it was replicated in the feature film and basically analyzed why the short film version um is way scarier so let's 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 backtrack let's talk about what is what is lights out about uh so lights out um really at its heart it's about mental illness um and i'm and we'll get to that in a moment um but uh anyway the short film is essentially just like a woman is getting ready for bed when she flicks off the light she can see a a shadowy figure um in the hallway uh when she flicks it back on it disappears and she does this a few times gets into bed um, well, it suddenly becomes closer as well and yeah. um and so she gets into bed scared and then she hears something um and then she looks and there's this demonic woman um standing by her light her bedside table lamp and she turns it off and it's yeah it's very short and to the point and it's mm-hmm. very clearly made for zero budget like yeah. you know it's you like, could you like could make this with your mates on the weekend yeah yeah um, yeah. Uh, yeah and then the feature film uh fleshes this out where you've got um yeah, it's like a family drama, and it's revealed that like the demonic woman is this this woman who was killed in a mental asylum, and now she like haunts the shadows. Mm. Um, yeah, yeah. So, so what was interesting about this film is that this was um, sort of uh, back back in 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 the mid. 2010s when things like it follows and the babadook which we'll talk about shortly and even get out were kind of like making a name as like the new horror right the, yeah it was like this, a horror that's about something yeah yeah um this was sort of uh roped in with that because it's it's new horror that's about something that's well for, for me it was roped in because um I always get uh, lights out and don't breathe confused. So do I. And <laughs> the titles, lights out, it follows, don't breathe, get out, are all all feel like they're playing the same game. Yeah. You know? Like these very blunt kind of Two statements. Words. Yeah, yeah. Um, and the the what what I find interesting is that I thought lights out the feature film was pretty bad, um, and. I th- I like the short film fine. I think the I don't quite understand its internal logic. I don't understand how the demon can be turning the light off at the end if the whole point is that they can only exist in the darkness. Well, well that's what- where that's why the short film is so much better than the feature length mm. is because there's no reason behind it. We have no explanation. Yeah. There is zero context. Mm. This could happen to you. Uh, mm-hmm. Like you know, yeah. but uh, through the feature film, you know, it was explained that you know Diana, who's the creepy woman that can't go on the light, you know, she's attached to the mother, and so it's like a very specific situation mm. where this has happened, and this is why she's like haunting this family. Yeah. So that's why you come away less scared, is because it's not something that you're like, holy shit! Like, imagine yeah. if this happened to you. It sounds to me like you're putting the logic of the film onto the short film and saying sure that's why thing. it doesn't work because you're like, well, it doesn't. She can't appear in the light because in the movie she gets like burned when she's in the light, but we're not told that in the short film. In the short film, well, we, we just know that this character can travel invisibly when it's light. Is is right. kind of what you're showing. It's only visible in the darkness. We don't know that it's not something that it has. Con- it could have control over. It could turn that on and off. You're right. Um, and so, mm. 
like that that's why the short film i think is amazing mm. um yeah. that it's like it's just get in get out introduce like a cool idea for a fright and then do it and then that's it yeah it's it's almost um it's when you ask what's lights out about and you're like oh it's a creature that can only move in the darkness um the short film is just a two minute explanation of that. And you watch it and you're like, well, I don't really need any more because nothing in the feature film even seems to attempt, um, you know, there's no like set pieces or moments in the feature film that feel like they're, they're trying to find other cool ways to demonstrate that central, central premise. Um, and yeah, so the, the short film is just sort of this pure thing that, um, I don't think it's not like cargo where it's like this just shouldn't this is too perfect as a short film that you shouldn't even attempt it mm. as a feature film but I also I do think that like there there exists a way to make a feature film version of lights out that's better mm. than the one we've got. Yeah, I think I think it's it's such a great idea for a monster and like mm. it's such a it's such a scary idea as well that like yeah. turning off the lights is is scary you know yeah exactly um, it's one of those and things. the like i mentioned before i love the low budget feel of the short um mm. and then the low budget feel is kind of carried over to the film but only sometimes and sometimes it works sometimes it, it doesn't because in in like the film so it's this it's the silhouette but it has these like um you can see like light in its eyes um and the kind way that like was, when you see like a cat or a sheep at night yeah yeah, yeah. it has the reflective yeah. um yeah the way that was done was like it was literally just someone who was like wearing all black and like painted black but they had um little bits of reflective tape on their eyelids and then just off screen they shot an iphone light and it reflected <laughs> the um the light um like david f sandberg is very um open and honest about like his um yeah, he's got a youtube his channel. experience called pony smasher his youtube channel you should check it out because he, he does like talk about and especially like with with his experience with shazam about like test screenings and like talking about film criticism and what it means to be a director and and he gets like brutally honest about stuff like that and he, he's one of those people similar to like robert rodriguez who you know made a lot of stuff for no budget and has taken and has brought that sensibility over to big yeah, budget yeah exactly um so the the lights out feature film has not too shabby of a of a Ron Tomatoes score, which I think is just got seventy six, um, which I think is because what what's good about the short film is preserved in the feature film, and yeah. everything else is kind of shitty, and so mm -hmm. it's like it gets it gets so far on the good faith of its original premise. But um, mm. uh, spoilers for Lights Out. The most disturbing thing I think about this film is that the ending of it is um, the way they defeat the monster is the mother, the the very mentally unwell unwell mother, um, who with whom the the monster is attached to. They defeat it by um, she uh, kills herself. She shoots herself in the head because the monster cannot exist without the mother. Which is a very troubling um, message to put forward because solution to the problem, yeah, yeah. You like the film, and it's not like it's just a dumb 
there's, there wasn't any thought behind it because the film is very clearly intelligent enough to say the monster is a metaphor for mental illness. The yeah. monster is a metaphor for how if you don't deal with your your mental illness, it can ruin your your life and your family's life. That's what it, that's what the monster is. In the same way that the monster in it follows is an STD, the monster in um, the in Lights Out is is mental illness and not dealing with it. And so it's smart enough to set up the metaphor, but then to say the solution to that is to kill yourself so you won't be a burden on your family might be one of the worst endings I've ever seen in a movie. Yeah, because it's, it's literally like, um, yeah, she she goes, like, like she realizes everyone's life is worse because of my mental illness. Mm. And this is the only way to... To, to combat that yeah it's pretty fucked up it's fucked up because it's like you even if that's the ending you land on you could still maybe paint that as more of a tragic ending but it's not they don't really care that the mum dies either the, the last scene is them sitting in the ambulance and they're like ah oh, thank god we're safe now and it's like your fucking mum just died dude yeah. and like, but, but, also, no, but, but they're I happy th- because they don't have to deal with their fucking depression anymore <laughs> <laughs> fucking That's crazy bitch I- <laughs> like how much better would this film have been if it was more about banding together and looking after someone yeah exactly you know? like like the mother finally feels the support that yeah. you know and and she's that she has to- someone that she can rely on yeah and, and the and, and it's like you know she's um diana would be feeding off like her negative energy and her kind of like self-view but it's like no yeah like it's it's it should be that you work together to defeat diana yeah and because it feels like the first half of the movie was um not maybe not written but like consulted with a like an expert like a psychologist or something yeah. on it and then someone else just picked up the the ending and was like i can do this and well, didn't didn't pick up on the metaphor at all and was like wait what about this yeah <laughs> well cuz there was an expert involved in the first half of the film um what like right at the start when um you've got expert of acting billy burke um mm. plays the father in the opening scene um billy burke of course famous for playing charlie swan in twilight uh, he's kind of the one, the that, best like, film character of all time. Yeah, the one he's the one that discovers the um, the the monster and encounters it for the first time and does not live to tell the tale. Yeah, he dies before the opening credits, and I was like, when Billy Burke showed up in that intro scene, I was like, oh shit, is Billy Burke the protagonist in this film? <laughs> and I was so excited, and I was so ready to see Billy Burke be the the. The main character, only only to very then quickly realise, oh, he's going to die. That's <laughs> the point of this character. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Uh, so this is a case of absolutely fudging the bucket, you know? Like, this is this is taking your idea, your short film that has been greenlit for a feature, and just finding, like, the worst way to do it, almost. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I didn't like it. You guys didn't like it either. Yeah, I liked and en- I like I enjoyed watching it. I feel, but that's just because I like scary movies. I think. Yeah, the the end definitely ruins it, and I I was kind of enjoying it up until that point. Like there there is yeah, a lot yeah. of cool stuff in it, and I think like I like I said a few times that it's like it's such a great idea, and it's such a easy to pull off, but clever, but terrifying. Mm. You know. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. 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 
Nice. Okay, well, the last film we've got to talk about here um, is The Babadook, uh, Jennifer Kent's directorial debut. It's an Australian film um, based on, her, as I said, her 2005 short film. How did uh, she direct a short film in 2005 if she didn't have her debut until 2012? Or whenever? Oh, no. Um, <laughs> what, what is The Babadook about? AJ, do you want to take this one? Sure. So both both Monster and the Babadook are essentially about a um, single mother. The The husband is, has died off screen like before the film. And she has a uh, maybe seven-year-old son who has a very overactive imagination and believes that there is a monster in the house. And that's about as far as the short film goes. The feature film um, like adds more to this and uh, she she finds the storybook that just turns up at her house called Mr. Babadook. And she reads, she starts to read it to her son only to discover it's like this very violent, scary story about a, <laughs> a man in a top hat who's going to come and kill you. And he gets really scared and it, and it like clearly traumatizes him. And this is after he's been kicked out of school for, you know, bringing weapons to school and things like yeah. that, like makeshift weapons that I wouldn't even know how to make. And somehow the seven-year-old... Um, knows yeah, how to make Alexander these, like, Jones, known weapons expert. Yeah, yeah. Even he would not know how to make them. Whatever. I'm saying the age difference. Famously the... violent podcast um, host. So, essentially, it's it's the the mother then coming to terms with the fact that the Babadook is a real thing, and the climax of the film is it sort of infects the household, and they've together got to try and um, defeat the Babadook. Um, and stay together as a family yeah. and the metaphor here is is similar to lights out but it's more i think the babadook is supposed to represent grief yeah and it's supposed yeah. to represent how you control and manage your grief after a traumatic event happens in this case the um the father dying in the in the short film I think the 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 idea of the short film is like the 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 log line or like the the hook is like what if the the mother of a scared child ends up taming the monster under the bed because both mm. the main the short film and the feature film <clears throat> end with um she's she keeps the monster and she feeds it mm. and it and she's in control of it and in the in the movie it it carries a lot more weight and she gives it like a bowl of worms and it tries to attack her but she she remains staunch and and things but in, in the short film she like leaves a glass of milk next to the closet and it reaches out and grabs it and i think the the short film has none of the um subtext of grief or anything in it well i think no, it's like i mean it, really. it probably is it's maybe not as clear in the text but i, I could see that being part of it when she went to because i think the the ending like you say of it's like the monster's still there and i think that's kind of the thing about grief is that you can't expect that it's like you know your your husband dies and one day you're just going to get over it you're just never going to yeah, think yeah. about it again it's like which is what the characters in the film expect of her yeah and, yeah. and it's like no no like th it will always be a part of you but it's mm. it's about letting it not get the better of you and because it is like i mean obviously that's like a horrifying thing to hear if something's just happened to you that's mm. traumatic that's like yeah you like you know what you'll actually never get over it but it's yeah. like you uh it, it's kind of more realistic it's more about like uh, the the goal is to deal with it, not to make it go away. Yeah, mm. yeah. Um, so I'd seen this a couple of times before the feature film. I'd never seen the short film. Um, 
what did you guys and i i really like the babadook i think it's like a pr- close to perfect film i think it's probably the best example uh maybe next to get out of of like this new metaphor metaphor um i think yeah one of the best examples of that uh what do you guys think of it uh yeah i hadn't seen it before but i I'd, I'd always been told it was very scary and so i didn't watch it mm. so, that, so that's what you thought of it oh i didn't watch it that's what i said um uh yeah no it was good uh uh, jess uh very good i had seen this before with uh my mate imogen we're like horror movie buddies shout out to imogen Uh, shout out to imogen who does not listen to this podcast (laughs) um do you think imogen would like me haven't you met her i don't know yeah. I'm pretty sure you have, man. I've lived in Auckland for a long time. <laughs> How many of your friends I've been? <laughs> <laughs> nah, she's cool. Um, yeah, and it was, yeah, very, very, very good. Yeah. I, I find the, um, because it's so close to New Zealand accent, I do mm. find the Australian accent distracting. Um, yeah, <laughs> like, especially when they say it, because, I don't know, for us, we're very lazy, so we're like Babadook. Yeah. But it's like, Babadook? Yeah, the Babadook. <laughs> the Babadook. Um, it's the Babadook, mum. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God, the fucking kid, though. Yeah. Holy shit. Like, Is like, this the most annoying kid to ever be in a film that you would still consider good? God, yeah. that's, that's the true horrific part yeah, like, of this. Like, like fucking um, never having children, man. <laughs> yeah, it's like um, the Babadook's log line is like, um, a mother deals with the fact that her son is just an annoying little shit. <laughs> He's an annoying kid. <laughs> um but yeah because i didn't realize that this was what um the why can't you just be normal cut to like Ah! screaming uh was from and i was like oh my god (laughs) (laughs) so excited yeah um so it's it's very intense but what do you guys think of the the differences between the 2005 short and the feature film any any observations there yeah well i think the this what am i trying to say I don't know. My brain just cool. fell out yeah, of my ass. Cool. cool. I'll, I'll, I'll build on that. Cut I'll build that on that. Um, <laughs> Please, I'm so tired. Well, because right well, in the last time we did this episode, we talked about like um, that. So, say like Cargo was clearly like you just had an idea for a short film, and someone was like, "Oh, make that into a feature," and they like didn't really know what to do. Whereas um, something like Yes God Yes um, and Whiplash felt more like just a scene out of. Um, yeah, like yeah out of, out of you know a feature script um whereas like i think lights out was kind of like oh this was a cool idea i can easily extrapolate into a movie um i you know arguable about how well they did it and and you know definitely you could make quite a good horror film with that um mm-hmm. that doesn't have all these nasty messages monster's kind of a weird one because the, it feels like there's so much subtext like, but based on what Babadook ended up being, it feels like there was all the subtext that was supposed to be in the original and Monster um, that she just, like, didn't have time to put in there. But you can, like, almost, it's al- so almost tangible. Mm. And, I yeah, I really get what you're saying. Like, with um, Frank and Weenie and um, Lights Out, it kind of feels like, okay, yeah, this was the short film. Here's another plot point that we can dump in it to mm. fill out the um, runtime. But with Babadook, it feels like, no, it's the short film, but just stretch it out mm. and almost not really anything of substance is put in, but everything else 
that was kind of very, very subtext in the short film sort of comes it to light. It has time to, to, to develop. Yeah. Yeah, and it's, That's a good yeah. point because the, the stuff that, that um, elongates something like Frankenweenie are like tangible plot points. Like there is a science fair and there yeah. are other monsters and it's, oh, there's the invisible man in Frankenweenie as well as the oh, fish. Yes. Um, oh, my <coughs> God. And, such um, a clever film <laughs> um and uh you know and it's it, yeah it's it's tangible it's it's specific plot beats whereas babadook is like there's nothing tangible that elongates the plot it's just yeah. a lot more slow brooding which is why i think actually that the film the short film is, is what i said before that it's more just like here's a funny idea that like that you would own the monster in your closet. Right, yeah, And yeah. then after nine years of that gestating in uh, Jennifer Kent's mind, she was maybe like, how can I put more into this? And maybe this, I I, I think maybe the subtext came after. Interesting, because I feel like it's more like, film. yeah, because this was her directorial debut monster, um, that it was kind of like, she had in the back of her mind, it was like, oh, I have this idea for a film. It explores grief. They have a monster that represents grief. Um, and then she got like a little bit of money to make a short film. And she was like, well, I might never have a chance to make this. Um, and so mm-hmm. she was like, okay, this is the only idea I'm passionate about. Um, and then made it. But it's it, the result of that is it kind of feels like you're just watching the Babadook on fast forward. Like mm. it just moves from because 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 yeah like like you said it's like Babadook is just monster but slower, mm. um, more ominous. Yeah, and so it's like I think she probably did have these ideas in there because all the elements are there. It's just we don't have time to explore them in the story. Um, well, we may never know what the what the truth was unless it's not. written on Wikipedia. Let me just <laughs> quickly do a little skim. Um, the Babadook is gay. Okay, that's in here. Uh, a Tumblr, a a Tumblr user virally joked that the Babadook was openly gay. Um, <laughs> cool. All right. That's that's all that's in here. Jennifer Kent said she loved the meme and, th- and said, I think it's crazy that the meme just kept him alive. I thought, ah, you bastard. He doesn't want to die, so he's finding a way to become relevant. Oh, that's <laughs> scary. <laughs> Jesus. Um, well, that, that, this, isn't, this isn't necessarily talking about the... Um, the differences between the short film and the feature film but i do really like how the the mythology around the babadook as a character because i like seeing a scary storybook that you were read and gave you nightmares as a kid feels like yeah. such a relatable concept do you guys have that in your life yeah i've literally t- i think i've talked about this yeah. on the podcast before there was a book called uh beyond the deep woods that had yeah. um uh, illustrations in it and there is this one monster called the gloam glosser and yeah. it fucking terrified me as a kid <laughs> yeah horrific yeah. yeah i think of like the um the mo- there's a monster at the end of this book the <laughs> sesame street book yeah. that freaked me out um and it's cool how silly the babadook looks in real in real life and so like right from the start it's like yep it looks silly. Sorry, you're gonna have to still be scared by it. Because yeah. I think and this this film is very scary. Having something like audible related to it as well, like the the thing yeah. with the ba ba do Yeah, and it's the sound of someone knocking on your door. Yeah. It's supposed yeah, to. Yeah, because I, I I like that it's like because that, that was kind of having not seen the film, but knowing what the character looked like, knowing what the name is, and knowing that like mm. duk, duk, duk was like a thing in the film. Uh yeah, I always thought that that was like part of the joke. Is that like. Yeah, he's, he's silly, but he makes it, but he's scary. 
Like, you know, and, and it's kind of like, it's, it's one of those interesting exercises where it's like, what's the dumbest thing I can make scary? But yeah. it's one of those things that as a kid, you do find yeah, silly yeah, yeah. things scary. That it's like this, this character design you could imagine was made for children. Mm. Um, but it's like, yeah, it's terrifying though. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. Got to top that. Yeah. I love I love the the opening line of the book is like if it's in a word and if it's in a look you can't get rid of the babadook because it's supposed to be like it, it possesses her at the end because because she lets it in mm. um as as her son is trying is yeah. telling her not to do um there's a lot of like having seen when I first saw it I was like that's pretty good and every time I've seen it since I've been like man this is so it got so much in it it's so rich um and I really enjoy it um, cool. Well, hey, that probably brings us to the end of this discussion. Yeah. Do you guys have any any final? Um, oh, obs- I did obs- want to obs- just talk these? about um, there's something I observed on the Frank and Weenie Wikipedia page. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is the full thing. Uh, so this is talk about uh, there was a, a traveling exhibition that went into the work and creating the film. Uh, during the exhibition, it was possible to see sets and characters that were used for the stop motion feature film, a sequel to Corpse Bride. The sentence ends there. There's no full stop. Someone just stopped writing. Um, and then the following sentence is, from September 14, 2012 to November 5, 2012. There's no R on it. It's like, who's wow. writing this page? This is like seeing a shooting star, like a shoddily edited Wikipedia page. You don't always see this shit. Yeah. <laughs> um, cool. Well, that's fun. That's a bit of dumb Wikipedia trivia. <laughs> Um, but yeah, cool. I really enjoyed doing this, and, and I'd love to keep keep doing it, the occasional um, short films versus their feature film adaptations if we can keep finding um, ways to theme it. Um, yeah. pretty, a, lot, a, a lot of Taika's films are based on short films, so oh, we yeah. could do um, Taika Waititi short films versus their feature. At least, at least Boy and What We Do in the Shadows are based on short films. Yeah. I'm not sure about any of the others, um, but we can find out together and talk about them all right cool so what, what do you guys well, think is the best adaptation that we've seen so far um well okay i think babadook's the best movie i think yeah. frank and weenie is the most impressive yeah change. like the the art of adap- adapting is the most yeah, um i think frank and weenie is my favorite movie and adaptation out of this lot mm. richard uh i agree frank and weenie nice very, very nice. All right, what, what very... a fucking tight little tidy episode of the Cult Pop Show podcast. Sparky. That's how tight it is. That was gross. <laughs> <laughs> you have to end on that. Um, <laughs> all right. So thank you for, for listening, yeah. and if you liked this episode, then please be sure to um, check out all the other Cult Pop stuff. The episodes are usually maybe about... Three minutes to, to an hour longer than this. Um, but that's okay. This is a quick little Halloween bite. And the amount of times we do two and a half hour episodes, it's like you can have a, a 50 minute episode, okay? Yeah. <laughs> um, we, we have lives too. And they almost exclusively revolve around editing a podcast. Um, so you can like Cold Popture on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter um, and follow and subscribe to us on YouTube and all those places. Um, we're, we're currently going by Occult Popture on various, I think it's just Twitter actually, which we've done every Halloween for three years. And and I'm like, man, do we need to? Um, do we need to come up with another 
pun. Mm. Can we? Are you allowed to use the same Halloween name? Uh, three well, years ago? see us in, in three years to see if we thought of one and what is happening <laughs> with the New Zealand uh, election cycle. Yes, true. Very exciting. Very excited to see how that turns out. Um, and you can also join our Discord, which will, there'll be a link to in the show notes. And you can donate to us on Patreon, patreon.com slash Popshire if you want to hear some more. We're, we're, we're talking about doing some more creepypasta stuff that'll be mm. Patreon exclusive. Um, and uh, yeah, I guess um, uh, Bye. you can also. Wait, there's one other thing. There was one other thing. What was it? <sighs> Happy Halloween. Just, Happy Halloween. Just fade in the music. Oh, post credit scene, which is coming up right now. So even if I didn't say it, you just delayed it. See you later, everybody. And thank you for joining us. Goodbye. Bye. Bye. All right, welcome to the post-credits scene. This is a sequence at the end of each episode where if you donate $5 or more on our Patreon, you get to give us something to talk about, something to play, something to do, something to just whet your little appetites on um, in, 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 in the time between when the music, when the episode stopped and the music kept playing. <laughs> Really, it's a good, uh, I think spun it's a out good of control concept. just then. <laughs> I think it's a good concept for a for a segment on our podcast. Yeah, and I think it, I think a post credit scene is a very funny, very witty title to give it, despite the fact that we don't technically have credits in the episode. Um, anyway. Uh, today's post credit scene comes to us from Sam Page on the Patreon, and he asks, "What is the what is a disturbing film that you regret watching?" Um, I have seen Salo or 120 Days of Sodom. I don't know if I regret watching it though, because it was quite, it was like a, like I watched with a bunch of friends and we kind of all held hands and like, was like, because Salo is actually considered like an art house film, right? It's not considered. Yeah, it's in my book of 1001 movies to watch before you die. There you go. It's like, it's actually like a prestigious film that is good. It's not like just gross for gross sakes and so we wanted to like experience that and so i don't regret watching that um what about you do, like do you do you regret watching any films uh I, no no Thomas <laughs> asked you a question no i don't um uh and that, that, that's that's on it i mean i haven't watched any of like a serbian film or like mm. um or any of those kind of like classic answers that people people would or martyrs i think is one yeah but i don't like, know if a serbian film is like a serbian film unlike salo is not considered like a work of high art though yeah and that's why i, I don't want to watch it yeah I, I don't think that was in dispute but um you said <laughs> <laughs> uh, but you know like, like like those classic disturbing films that you know that are cannibal holocaust you know th- these films that are known for being disturbing and people yeah, regret yeah. watching them I've, i don't, i can't think of one that i've seen that would fall into that category um yeah maybe if i watch some of those i would but yeah regret watching is is, is, is a tough word because cause i'm very much a proponent of like um you 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 shouldn't really have an opinion on a film if you haven't watched it. You shouldn't try and say like, no, this film is X Y Z if you haven't actually seen it. And seeing it means watching the whole thing as well. Um, so yeah, even like one of those those horrible movies, I would still be able to rest easy knowing that I can be like, yeah, it's fucking horrible. Like, but I've made my own mind up about it, you know. 
Mm. Yeah, I don't know if I regret. I think I certainly watched films I thought were stupid, but it's like this is now assimilated into my pop yeah. cultural identity. So I would say I don't really regret watching. I re- I regret watching um, certain <laughs> porn videos. <laughs> tell us about that's, that that's my closest application of this question i think oh uh, we've all been there you know you finish watching something and you're like oh wish i didn't see that like what um i've seen two girls one cup that's my answer yeah yeah i've seen two girls one cup it was not something i watched voluntarily and i was a long time ago yeah. But that's my answer. My answer is two girls, one cup. Yeah, see, I don't know that I regret watching that because... It was um, fucking hot. Because <laughs> now, you know, I have an opinion on it and I can... Um, I would just rather I didn't see it, I guess. And that's... Yeah. Th- what else is regret if I wish that you didn't see it, you know? Yeah. It's also uh, only a trailer for a film as well. It's also... This will put your mind at ease for anyone else who's seen it. It's also fake sh- fake shit that they eat. You do see... You do see a, actually shit into a cup but they're not then eating the shit apparently it's right. like a prop so still still enough for those coprophiles rest easy what is a cop isn't that someone who likes the godfather that's <laughs> a coplophile oh sorry coprophile or uh coprophilia is uh being into poop i thought it was like scat yeah it is scatological. <laughs> imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.